let y'all in on a little secret that you may or may not know about me. Probably most of you don't. But I'm a big sci-fi fan. And I know, I know, it's, it's not realistic. Or is it? <laughs> it's, it's probably not realistic, but it's, I love being entertained with those thoughts. And because and we have enough real stuff to be uh, thinking about in the world, and I like to be entertained with stuff that I can sit back and think, that never happened. Because some of the things some of these people do, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But how many of you in here ever watched that classic TV show called The Twilight Zone? Anybody ever see it? Because if, if you did, if you did, you're either very old <laughs> or it was a rerun because it hadn't been on in a long time. But I'm going to share with you something from one of the most famous episodes of that television show called The Twilight Zone. And here it is. Get ready. A race of aliens have landed on the earth. And they are far, far more advanced than what human beings are. And when their ship lands... And they come out of that ship, they tell the human beings that are gathered there to meet them, they, they hand them a book. There's only one problem. The book is written in the alien's language, and nobody on earth can understand it. So they work, and they work at translating this book. And after months of translation, they finally figure out the title of this book. And it's only three words. To serve man. Now, I want you to know what's going on with these aliens. Because of their advanced technology, they're doing some astonishing things. For Earth. They have eradicated all disease. No one is dying from disease anymore. They have brought peace to the Earth. There are no longer any wars. And they have done away with famine. So no disease, peace, no wars, and plenty of food to eat. The human beings, by the way, are frantically continuing to try to translate this book because right now, the only thing they know is the title, To Serve Man. Time goes on. These great miraculous things continue to happen until one day, it's one of the translators. Maybe I should preface this by saying that they begin that, that humankind began to trust these aliens so much that they began to take excursions back to the aliens home planet and after all the time they've been trying to translate this book one of the translators gets his turn 
to go on an excursion to Alien's home planet. Now listen to what I'm about to say. As he is about to step on to the alien ship, the translators have finished translating the book. And one of them runs out of the door, screaming at the top of his lungs, Don't get on the ship! Don't! Don't get on that ship! The book to serve man, it's a cookbook. <laughs> so, <laughs> now you can see how I'm uh, amused by sci-fi. <laughs> so don't get on the ship. But guess what? There was another book written. And when it was translated, <clears throat> the name of that book only had three words in it. And it was about someone that came from a faraway place to dwell with us here on earth. And guess what? He healed people of diseases. He brought an end to famine. Any of y'all going hungry? And he's offering excursions back to his place. Now, there are some things that you have to do to prepare for this excursion, unlike the aliens that we just heard about. There are some things that you have to do to prepare for this excursion. Number one, you have to acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's Step number one, you have to ask him to forgive you of your sins. You have to say, Lord, here I am a sinner. I accept you into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. And then God will write your name down on the manifest. Y'all get this? God will write your name down on the manifest. And the name of that book that we read is called the Holy Bible. In that book are the instructions for all you and I will ever need to live a life blessed by God. And one day, when it comes your time to take that excursion, no one will run out the door yelling, don't go, don't go. And when you, another thing, when you get there, I promise you, you won't want to come back to earth. So this morning, as that first book was written to serve man, this book was written on how to serve God. Y'all get that? Everything in this book is written about how to serve God. So this morning, I want to talk to you about serving God. Some of you knew that was coming. 
I want to talk to you about serving God. And in the process of serving God, we learn what it is to serve each other. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8 says this. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, and, and, and I want you to understand how emphatic this is. Then I said, it's almost like jumping up out of your chair this morning, waving your hand and saying, here I am, Lord, send me. Church, the truth is that we weren't meant to blend in. There was a time in my life that I wanted to blend in. So I went to this huge church in an attempt to blend in. Because when you go to those huge churches, I thought, it's less likely that I'll be asked to do anything. So now, isn't that a, a, a bad way to skip out on serving God? But we weren't made to blend in. We were made to serve God. We were never, ever saved to sit. So as you're here today, understand this. You weren't saved to sit around and do nothing. You were saved to serve. The famous American evangelist D.L. Moody wrote the following words next to Isaiah 6, 8, that verse I just read you. He wrote the following words next to that verse in his Bible. I want to share with you what they said, or what he said. I'm only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. Every one of us ought to have that quote written somewhere where we can readily see it. Because does that quote from D.L. Moody ring home to you? Would you be one that's sitting here today and say, God, saying, God, I've tried so hard not to serve you. But today, I understand the need to serve God. See, I remember way back when I accepted the Lord, when I first accepted the Lord as my Savior. I was such a new Christian, and some of you won't believe this, and Connie will attest to this. I was about the shyest person you'd ever know. In fact, as far back in the auditorium as you can get, that's where I sit. That was my seat. You know why that was my seat? Because the minute the pastor said amen, I was out that back door. <laughs> Nobody's going to catch me before I got out that back door. See, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was shy. I remember sitting week after week and listening to my pastor, Gerald Yant, preach sermon after sermon. And one day... God laid on my heart, son, this is what I want you to do. And I struggled with that. 
Got to be honest. But one Sunday morning, I remember going forward and I walked up to the pastor and I said, I believe God's calling me to preach. And he just stood there and looked at me. <laughs> Awkward. It's like, well, are you going to say anything? He kept looking at me. And he finally said, that's great. I'm so glad for you. But before you do that, there's something I need for you to do for me. There's something I need you to do for God. And I stood there for a minute and I said, well, what's that? What do, you, what do you need me to do? And he said, I need you to learn how to serve. See, I believe this morning we all need to learn how to serve. Yeah. Learning that lesson on serving was this for me. There was this class in church that I suppose no one wanted to teach because it was filled with 9 and 10-year-old boys. Y'all, it's bad. <laughs> it is bad. I mean, you take a guy that had never taught a Sunday school class in his life, and you put him in with a bunch of 9 and 10-year-old boys. It, I, I don't know who was the head of that class. Because there were times when I thought, it's not me. But I knew who their parents were. And I, so I got up. In Sunday school one morning, and I brought in with me a tape recorder. Yeah, it, it was actually a tape recorder back then. <laughs> Not digital, but it was a tape recorder. And I brought that in there, and I said, Young men today, I, and I guess that probably wouldn't be proper today. <laughs> but I said to him, everything you say is going to be recorded. And I promise you, I'm going to play this back to your parents. That's the best class I ever had. I mean, you talk about zip lips. And then came my turn to, to preach. The pastor said, I'm going to be gone, much, much like today. The pa except I'll, you'll see the difference. The pastor said, I'm going to be gone, and I'd like for you to preach. So, of course, I agreed, and I went home, and I prepared. Listen, guys, I bet I had 15 pages of notes to preach on that, that, that sermon. You know how long it took me to preach it? Five minutes. <laughs> I didn't know you could go through 15 pages that fast. In five minutes, I'm standing up there, and people are looking at me, and I'm going, what do I do next? And finally, I looked at him, and I said, I'm finished. <laughs> Y'all can go home now. That hasn't happened since then, so don't think I'm, well, <laughs> I've not preached a five-minute sermon since then. Some people have commented, Pastor, will you ever shut up? <laughs> Listen. 
we all need to learn how to serve. And it doesn't matter where you're serving, but it matters that you serve. God expects you to do something for me. So look at how we serve. And I want to draw your attention to Psalm 100, verse 2. Here's what the scripture says. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Now, <clears throat> the structure of this verse is, is more complex than what we uh, see on the surface. In fact, it's at least twofold, and I'll, I'll explain that to you in just a minute. Because there's an emphatic urgency given to you and I to serve the Lord. That's the first thing we hear, serve the Lord. Doesn't matter what the rest of it says at this point, it just says serve the Lord. And that serving deals specifically with our willingness, our willingness to be obedient to what God wants us to do. Now, I don't know what God wants you to do, but I do know this. God wants you to do something. For every person seated here today, God wants you to do something for him. Now, we, we're going to go on and, and, and we're going to look at the last part of that verse. And it says, not only are we to serve the Lord, then it tells us how we are to serve him. Anybody got any idea how we're supposed to serve him? With gladness wow that puts a damper on some people <laughs> I mean Lord I'm serving and now you expect me to serve with gladness you expect me to be happy about it well the word here means that we ought to be so joyful that we can't contain ourselves that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and urges us to do something, and he always will, that we are so joyful, we are so appreciative of the fact that he chose us that we break out in joy and in gladness. Because when we serve the Lord with gladness, it shows we have the right attitude towards serving y'all get that there is an attitude to serving in other words it's no longer about us it's no longer about me but it's about God and because my spiritual abilities listen to this my spiritual abilities are not determined by me. My spiritual abilities are determined by God. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 21 says. I don't have this on the screen, but God laid it on my heart, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to read that verse to you. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 21 says, He, that's God, will equip you with everything good that you 
may do his will. That's serving, folks. doesn't say God is going to equip you. It says God has already equipped you. God has already given you everything that you will need in order to be capable of serving him. Now, I know that burst a lot of bubbles because you wouldn't believe in my time in the ministry how many people I've had come up to me and say, well, Pastor, I would serve, but I'm just not gifted in that area. Wait a minute. Who told you what you were gifted in and what you weren't gifted in? I read in the Bible that you've been equipped to do every good thing. There's nothing that you and I aren't equipped to do if God asks us to do it. You may not be comfortable with it. You may feel uneasy about it, but yet God asks you to do it. And you've got two choices. Say, yes, Lord. Or say, no. Now, this is how it should look like in the church. When you and I are asked to do something to serve God, we should be overflowing with joy to do it. It should be a natural outpouring from our heart, right? But there's a part of this second verse that perplexes me. And it seems to scream out that there's an opposite way to serve the Lord. Could that opposite way be that some people serve him out of obligation? Well, if I have to. I don't want to. But if I have to. Pastor's not going to leave me alone until I agree to do it. But, I mean, some people seem to be serving God out of obligation. Now, consider the parable that Jesus taught about the lost son. Now, this is a very lengthy portion of Scripture, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. So bear with me. And when Jesus taught this, he said there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And the father agreed, and he divided his property between the two sons. The word them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey <coughs> excuse me, to a far country. Now, I don't know where far was, but in relation to today, you had to walk everywhere you went then. So, I mean, at my age, far is next door, but I mean, <laughs> I'm sure to this young man, he walked a good distance from home, far enough away that nobody knew him. He wanted to blend in. Y'all got this? And he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now that's pretty bad. 
And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. In other words, it was like, son, you made your bed, now you've got to sleep in it. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? Let this sink in. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. I mean, this guy's willing to do anything. And he arose, verse 20, and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And guess what happened? He said, and the son said to him, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Now, you've got to understand what this guy probably looked like. You ever seen a homeless person on the street? You got a picture of what the son looked like when he was coming back to the father. He was ragged. He was dirty. He was filthy. He said, put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And then he said, kill the fattened calf and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and it's alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. End of that. Now the older son in verse 25 was in the field. He's out there working his rear end off. And he came and drew near to the house. And he heard music and dancing. Must have been some dance if you could hear it. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf. Because he has received him back safe and sound. Now look at the older son. But he was angry. And refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. Pleaded with him is a better word there. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. Now we're talking about people serving out of what? Obligation. And that son said, many years I've served you. What about if we just put in there, many years I've went to church. And yet you never gave me just a young goat. You killed the fatted calf for him. But you never even gave me a young goat to celebrate with my friend. And this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. 
and all that I, is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now I want you all to let that sink in a minute because it's a picture of obligating service. Now in this parable it seems that both sons started out serving the father. They were both present. They were both there with the father. And they both enjoyed all the bounties that the father had for them. But things were about to change. See, one of them stopped serving and left. Y'all know anybody that ever stopped serving and left? But one of them is going to stay and serve out of obligation. Now, right there. You have a picture of many churches today. Now, it's important that we understand and acknowledge at this point that neither one of the sons were right. It wasn't right for the younger son to stop serving and leave. But equally, it was not right for the older son to stay and only serve because he felt obligated to do it. Neither one of the sons were getting the blessing of serving at this point. Well, this is what happened. The younger son finally came to his senses and he said, I was so much better off when I was with the father. Any of y'all say amen to that? Amen. I was so much better off when I was with the father. And so what did he do? He stopped everything and he went back to the father and expecting to be Treated like one of the servants, instead, he was given honor by placing a ring on his finger, a robe on him, shoes on his feet, a celebration unlike any other. God is ecstatic when one person comes back to him. But the elder brother never resumed serving. See, that young brother did. He came back and he resumed serving the father. The older brother never repented as far as the parable states here. The older brother never repented even after the father pleaded with him. He didn't want to change his attitude. Now remember what I said. Service is an attitude. Serving God requires the correct and proper attitude. Nowhere do we read in the parable of the lost sons, and I'm going to say plural, sons, that the older brother ever repented of what he did. 
and we're left to assume that he remained a bitter and continued his obligated, begrudged service to the Father. That's why Psalms 100 verse 2 is so important in the life of a Christian when it says serve the Lord. But don't just serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Get the right attitude. If there's something wrong, repent and get the right attitude of serving God. Y'all getting this? Amen. So let's look at why we serve. Am I keeping in time here? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Forget that five-minute sermon. Y'all, will y'all allow me to finish just quickly here? Why we serve? Because some people are going to say, why? Why, Pastor? Why do I serve? Well, because of all he's done for us. That's the most important reason, isn't it? See, this visitor from another realm, from another place, came to earth, and he modeled for us the correct way to serve. In fact, Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, think of this now, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And not all, only because of all he's done for us, not only because of how he modeled servanthood, I was created to serve. Did you know that? When you accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, God expected you to serve. You don't have to wonder about it. Church, he expects you to serve. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, what kind of work? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, how many of you that have been a Christian for any time can read the Bible and say, God didn't call me to serve? I can promise you, he did. And then, I'm commanded to serve. Romans 12, verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal. Don't let your attitude get rotten. Be fervent in spirit. And here's those words. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. You wonder why we do the things we do here at Relate Church? It's to bring you into a closer relationship with God and to create, hopefully, an atmosphere that you'll be excited about serving. I'm rewarded when I serve. Did y'all know that? <laughs> and you say, well, preacher, you're telling me that there's something in this for me? Of course there is. Listen to John 12, verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am... There's that excursion that's planned for you. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Do you want to be honored by God? Serve him. And then I serve because my church family needs me to serve. Did y'all know that? 
Your church family needs you to serve. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, a lot of, uh, of, of versions will say, which is your reasonable service. Did y'all know that word service? Or worship, I mean. Which is your reasonable worship. Did y'all know that word worship and serve are synonymous with each other? How can we legitimately worship God and not want to serve him? Think about that. In fact, I'm not sure it's possible to worship without serving. And listen to Hebrews 13, 16. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Listen to me. People desperately need to see the love of God through your serving. Because I promise you, when people walk through the doors, I'm so, I, I, I put so much into people standing at the door and greeting, people working in various ministries around this church. I, I do that because I know that when people walk in that door, they don't want to see a gloomy face. They want to see a face that says, I love you. Welcome in. Christian, God has a place that he wants you to serve. But he doesn't want you to do it begrudgingly. So if that's you, we don't need that. Because he desires glad's glad hearts rather in the coming weeks we're going to be asking you to serve God in fact I'm asking people to come to a meeting here in the church on my end of it but I only got one question for you to this morning think about what relate church would look like if Everyone in this church was willing to serve. James, David, will you come? I know God has a plan. I know God has a plan for relate church. Church doesn't just happen. Church happens when God's people serve God. It doesn't just we don't, we, we can't put chairs out here, open the doors and say, y'all come on, if we're not willing to do anything when you get here. God has a plan. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Y'all know God has a plan for you? Not some of you, all of you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If you're here today and you feel like you have no hope, 
That's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is for you to have a hope in the future. And we want to foster that love here at Relate Church. We want you to feel welcome. We want you to leave here so filled with joy that you laugh as you're going out the door. Jesus said in John chapter 4 and verse 35, Do not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look into the fields. You'll see that when you leave church today. If the pastor ever finishes. <laughs> You'll see that when you leave the church today. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. There's people out there waiting for you. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. You talk about laying up treasures in heaven. Serve God. And gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. I'm convinced that Dwight Moody had it correct when he said, I'm only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. Amen. Would you stand with me for a moment? Perhaps you're here this morning and what I've been talking about this morning about serving God is something that's kind of foreign to you. And the reason it's foreign to you is you'd have to look up here and say, Preacher, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. But I'd like to do that today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, begin praying. Because there may be someone here today that would say, Pastor, I need to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. If that's you, would you just look up this morning and, and, and let me know? Amen. Amen. But you may be the one that's here today and are simply saying, I've never known where I fit in. Listen, you fit in here. We want you to know that there's a place for you today. And if you'd like to serve God, just come tell me, tell the head of any of the ministries around this church, tell Pastor John, I'd like to serve. And we have a place for you to do that. And remember, you'll lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you this morning, sir, that you saw fit to let us see a glimpse of what our life ought to be this morning. You felt that we were worthy of everything that you've given us. All the joy, all the blessings that you've given us. Father, we thank you for that this morning. I pray that you'll bless these people that they'll leave this building 
and a shout of their lips will be, I'll serve the Lord with gladness. In Jesus' name, amen.